right, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. God, you are so good and so mighty. God, I need your help this morning. I just do. Lord, would you let this make sense? Father, let it be to your glory. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word, Lord, but God, I need you to show up in this preaching this morning. God, I need your truth to come out. Father, let your presence be known this morning. Father, let it convict us. Let it change us. Let it be to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 16, we're going to be in verses 13 through 20. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You can silence your cell phones now if you haven't done that so far. Everybody, if you have a cell phone, it rings. Silence it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Today we're going to discuss about who Jesus is and what it means to bind and loose. And this is important because what we believe as Christians impacts the world. It's, it's a very, very important thing that you would decide who Jesus Christ is. This, this truth, this understanding of knowing, of saying who is Jesus Christ is going to determine not only your eternal fate of heaven and hell, but it will determine the life you live on this side of heaven. This isn't a no decision decision. This is the decision. In this story, what we see is that Jesus is with his disciples and he says to him, he says, hey, so I'm the son of man, but what's everybody saying about me? What do they say? And they say, well, some people say that you're, uh, uh, you know, Elijah. Some people say that you're uh, uh, Jeremiah. Some people say that you are John the Baptist. And Jesus says, yeah, that's good and all. But what about you guys? Like, who, who do you guys say that I am? And this one guy, Peter, goes, well... I say that you're Jesus the Christ. Jesus says, you want Peter? That truth right there that you say that I am the Christ, we're going to build my whole church on that truth. That truth right there. We're going to build the truth on that. And he says, you want Peter? I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. And so he literally gave Peter the authority to decide what's going to happen on earth and what's going to happen in heaven. And it's all predicated and central on the idea of Jesus being the Christ. Cosmically important. See, we bind and loose. We can't bind and loose until we decide who Jesus is. We just, we can't do it. In verse, uh, verse 13 to 15, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and other Jeremiah, one of the prophets. 
And this question right here is the most important question that anybody can ask in their life. Now, some of you have, well, actually all of you have probably answered this question. Some of you may have answered it incorrectly, but everybody makes a decision on who Jesus is. It it demands a response. You can't just merely say, I don't have an opinion. Not having an opinion on Jesus is having an opinion. It's very important that you answer this question in your life. And so Jesus comes to this guy, Peter, one of his disciples, and he says, hey, what, what are people saying about me? Uh, and then, you know, what, what do you say that I am? Now, for many people, this, this is a question that some people don't want to answer. And the reason why they don't want to answer is because they do not want to be held accountable to what the answer is. You know, it's, it's willful ignorance. It's willful uh, disobedience to just be able to say, you know what, man, I'm not going to answer that question because I don't want to be held accountable to what it means to actually make a decision about who Jesus is. And so they don't even answer the question. Now, what's interesting is that these people around Jesus in this region at the time, they had an opinion. They had an opinion who Jesus was. He, uh, Peter says, well, you know, Jesus, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, uh, say that they're one of the prophets. Now, th- in this region at this time, what's happening is that these individuals are filtering through what they know in their head to come up with an idea of who they think that Jesus is. And so in their minds, because they know Old Testament, they know something about it, they think, well, it's got to be Jeremiah. He's got to be a Jeremiah, or he's got to be an Elijah, or he's, and they know that John the Baptist is there right at the same time that Jesus is, so they're like, maybe he's a, a John the Baptist. Because now here's the distinction, though, is that all of those people, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, Elijah, all of them announced an arrival of a Savior, but they themselves were not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior, but all the people, based on what they knew, they thought he must be another one to announce the arrival of the Savior, missing the fact that he actually was the Savior. I mean, you you consider John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he lived at the same time that Jesus did. He was actually related to Jesus by blood. They're about the same uh, age. Uh, Jesus and John the Baptist both had the able, uh, the angel Gabriel announce their birth. Uh, John the Baptist, just like Jesus, political and religious leaders didn't like him uh, in the same way that they didn't like Jesus. Uh, John the Baptist ministry was going around and talking about baptism. He was talking about repentance. He was talking about sin. A lot of parallels between Jesus. And so (coughs) it doesn't seem unreasonable that people would think like, "Ah, maybe he's a John the Baptist. Think about Elijah. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, Elijah was a guy that was in the Old Testament. And Elijah, uh, he had a rebuke of Israel for uh, Israel's idolatry. And if you don't know what idolatry means, idolatry means that you're worshiping a false god. So, you know, same kind of thing for uh, Jesus. Uh, Elijah de- decried Baal worship, false worship. Elijah told people to turn back to God in the same way that Jesus told people to turn back to God. Elijah did, uh, he had prophecies that came true and he did miracles where rain fell from the sky and people got food. He raised people from the dead. I mean, these are miracles that, you know, Jesus did as well. Uh, Elijah actually didn't even die. Elijah was carried off into heaven on a chariot. So it'd be understandable that if people are having a hard time understanding who Jesus is to look at him and think like, well, gosh, this is some of the same stuff Elijah was doing. He's, he, he's probably an Elijah. Maybe he's a Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied God's judgment on Israel in the same way that Jesus did. 
He pleaded with Israel to repent. He, they called uh, Jeremiah the weeping prophet. Jesus was a weeper. He went and he cried over Israel. Je- Jeremiah was rejected by his own people in the same way that Jesus was. Uh, Jeremiah told his own people that God was going to judge them because of their idolatry in the same way that Jesus did. He said he was going to judge them for their sin and rejecting God yet. Now, now Jeremiah had words of hope for Israel in the same way that Jesus had hope for the people of Israel. So the people at the time had a working knowledge of these three people, but, but here was the issue. And this is many people's issue today as well, is that they're looking at Jesus through the lens of what they know, instead of taking away these blinders and saying, Jesus, speak to me directly about who you are so that I can know who you are without the filters of what I already know. But we do this. This is what we do as humans. We, we, we take a, a limited amount of information and make decisions about who we think that people are. Yeah. Every single one, and this isn't hyperbole, every single one of us do this. Yeah. A limited amount of, uh, a limited amount of information and we come up with a uh, meaning about it. Yeah. Pastor Jay always says, we are meaning making creatures. Yeah. That's what we do. And so we take, cause, cause it's just, I, I don't know if it's psychological because we have to constantly be on the defensive, but we gather information and data and then we have to make decisions really, really fast. And so when we see someone or we meet somebody, we're quickly ascertaining in our mind about what kind of person they are or whether we can trust them or what kind of relationship that we should have with them. Uh, we, we do it all the time on social media. Can you believe what they posted on social media? This is everything about who they are. Right? I read a book about that guy. I saw him on the television. Sports, right? We see a sports star and then we just make these sweeping statements about people based on limited information. I know exactly who Justin Bieber is. I can't stand that guy. (laughs) Dude, you know nothing about the Biebs. You know what I mean? Nothing. Us believers, we know. You guys don't know. Well, we do it with people we somewhat know, right? I mean, you come to church and you see somebody not knowing anything about their life. You don't know their testimony. You don't know what they've been delivered from. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they've been through. And then all of a sudden they walk by and you're like, they didn't even say hi to me this morning. You don't know what happened to them yesterday. You are so self-centered and filled with all of your own thoughts. You think people need to bow down and worship you. And you don't even know what world they're living in, man. You see somebody crying and worshiping, they love to be the center of attention. No, you've never been through what they've been through. They're getting set free right now and you're just upset because you're bound in your disbelief. Limited information. I know exactly who that person is. Do you see what they were wearing? Can't believe that in this church. You guys think you know me. (laughs) You really do. Dude, I don't even know me. And you think you know me? I'm still trying to figure out who I am. I'm like 47. I'm like, man, is it, what am, who, am, who is Matt Krachunas? You know what I mean? Just because I talk to you on a, well, I don't even get to talk about what I want to talk about. I'm always talking about what the Bible says. I don't get to sit up here and talk about what I, I want to talk about stuff. I watch the YouTube. I got hobbies. I want to talk about that stuff. I want to talk about cryptocurrency. 
I'm going to talk about supercars and guns. I'm going to talk about that stuff. But that's not like, and you guys are like, what, crypto? Yeah, man, I got like $150 worth of crypto. You didn't know that. <laughs> I'm basically a crypto millionaire, you know what I mean? I spent $40 on a crypto that went up $20. <laughs> Killing it. So you didn't know that. Not at all. I don't know nothing about myself that I haven't figured out. It took me, I'm, I'm married to this woman here, Crystal. We've been married for, it'll be 24 years this year. And it took me, people are like, it's like a magic trick. Yeah. <laughs> nothing special, man. Just keep showing up. <laughs> so, so we've been married and we, we live together and we have a deep emotional, physical, intimate relationship. Like we, oh, we talk and incessantly. And it took me 10 years of marriage to be like, I think I'm finally figuring out something about this girl. Right? But then people with a limited amount of information say, I know everything about that person. I'm living with her. And it still took me 10 years to figure out a little bit about her. Even now, 24 years in, I'm still learning stuff. Do you know she can sing the French national anthem? I didn't learn that. I didn't learn that until last year. She sang the whole thing. I was like, what else are you holding back from me? Whole entire French national anthem. I like Russell Wilson. I don't, I don't know much about him that the news hadn't told me. I admire the guy as an athlete and when he smiles, he's a handsome dude and he's on, yeah, it's all about the team. Like he's a great little football leader. He's going to the Broncos. I'm not upset about it. It's just a business. I'm going to watch the Broncos because I like Russell Wilson, but I don't know nothing about that guy. I don't know what kind of food he eats. I don't know what makes him happy. I don't know what makes him sad. I don't know what he's scared about. I don't know the stuff that him and his wife talk about. He's just an image of a person that plays a football game that I seem to admire. But we make these quick decisions about people with limited information. And so today, based on limited information, people declare who Jesus is. So I know who Jesus is. Yeah, man, totally. Like, no. Don't need to explain it to me. I know exactly who Jesus is. He's a good moral teacher. You know, he goes around and he tells people how to live right. He was the guy that all he talked about was love, right? That's everything about him is love. He's a condemner, right? He's the one that tells people what they should and shouldn't do. He's a prophet. He, you know, he came alongside of me and he just validated my future, my destiny. That's who he is to me. He's my buddy. He's my friend. Like I know exactly who Jesus is. This is what people do. No, if we're going to bind and loose, we have to declare that Jesus is the Christ. That's what we have to do. We have to declare that Jesus is the Christ. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And so Jesus says to him, you know what? You didn't even figure this out. God showed you that it's true. And now you're declaring that I am the Christ. And so now you are blessed. You are blessed that you have declared this truth. 
He answers the question correctly. Jesus says, okay, they all said I was that, but Peter, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is who Jesus was and is to Peter and who he is. Now, what Peter saw and what he knew to be true is that Jesus is the Christ. Now, many of you probably have thought that Christ was Jesus's last name. He's Jesus Christ. No, he's Jesus the Christ. Rabbi Yeshua ben Joseph, the Christ. Christ is a title. It's not a name. And to say that, uh, to say that he is the Christ is to say that he is the anointed one. He is the king. He is the savior. He is the end all be all. He is the culmination of all the prophecies of the Old Testament that said to the nation of Israel, you will get a leader, a king that will rule over you that you will submit to. He is the Christ. This is what Martha declared in John 11. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ who has come into the world. This is what the centurion declared when he said, truly, this was the son of God. This is what they accused Jesus of when they sent him to the cross. I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. And immediately right after Jesus ascended into heaven, this is what Paul preached when he ran around in Acts 9.20. It says immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. So when you say that Jesus is the Christ, it's to declare who he is. Titles have meaning. Right? If you're at work, this person is the boss. They're the supervisor. They're the owner. This is my wife. This is my son. This is my pastor. This is a police officer. This is a doctor. Like a title means something about the role that they play in your life. And so when you say Jesus is the Christ, is to say about his lordship. It's to say about his kingship. It's to say about his leadership in your life. It's to say that Jesus is the savior of our sins, that he is the leader of our lives, that he is the current king of our lives today and the future king of our lives in a heavenly kingdom. It's to say that he is our supreme leader. It's not just his name. It is his title to say that Jesus, who is the Christ. And so, so what does that mean to you? It means that uh, first off, you have got to make a decision about who Jesus is to you in your life. You have to. If you're here this morning, you've never declared that Jesus is the Christ in your life. You are missing out on what God wants you to have in your life, which is to know that you are to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to allow him to lead you and to control you and guide you to make him your everything. And when Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Jesus replied, excuse me, and Peter replied, it, it was monumental what Peter said, because what he is saying is the essence of the central message of what Jesus came to do, which is so important when it comes to today and being able to declare who Jesus is. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, many people say Jesus is a whole lot of things. Yeah. But but Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the leader of my life. You are the savior of my life. You are the king of my life. You are the everything that I must submit to and I must follow. You are the Christ. It's so deep uh, that, that people just kind of flow past it. It's the reason that Christ came. It's the reason for his death, burial, and resurrection. It's so that Jesus could establish kingship over this earth and over heaven and rule his people to say that Jesus is the Christ. 
First Timothy says, for to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially those who believe, especially those who believe. Now, if you don't believe, you are not a Christian. If you don't believe, you are not in the church. If you don't believe, you you do not experience the fullness of who Christ is. You you can't declare that Jesus is the Christ if you are not in Christ. Those two things are totally and completely disconnected. When you're in, you're in. And when you're not in, you're not in. You, you can't say that I, I used to be a Christian. You, you can't say that, well, that's my, uh, this is my favorite. When people say, I say, are you a Christian? He goes, yeah, my grandfather was a Baptist. <laughs> this isn't something you're born into. There's no, there's no lineage. You, you don't become something based on what your parents were. You make the decision of who Christ is. You make the decision of whether or not you're going to be. And you can say whatever stories that you want or craft whatever kind of things that you want. But if you don't actually live it, you're no longer in it. You're just a has-been. You're just a used-to-be. You're saying something that isn't actually true. You're just living in the past. To say you're a Christian, to say you're living for Christ, to say right now in the middle of it, this is what I'm doing inside of my life to completely and submit to him. See, the, the term Christian, Christ I am, are two separate words to put together. This term came uh, uh, from Antioch where uh, Christianity began to move after Jesus came and it began to spread. And so the way that the people of Antioch spoke about Christians is that they called them little Christs. That's what Christ I am, little Christ, little Christians. It's actually in some ways a derogatory term, but it's to say that the the Antiochians said, these people are just like that Jesus fellow. The one that said that he was the Christ, they are submitting to his Christ, to his uh, uh, Christ. And so they are Christians. They are little Christians. Now in the first century, it meant something to say that you're a Christian. We, 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 uh, uh, the, the emperor Nero at the time, if you declared Christ, this dude was feeding Christians to animals. He was crucifying Christians. He would take Christians and put them on a pole and light them on fire while they were living as a torch. I mean, to say that you were a Christian was a big deal. It wasn't just merely like, yeah, you know, I hang out with those guys on Sunday sometimes and I wear the t-shirt, but Please don't associate me with them. To say you are a Christian was to say something about what you believe politically, what organization that you were a part of. You didn't separate your belief from any other part of your life. It was central to what you believed. I had an interesting conversation with a gentleman this week, and you might find this surprising, but I talk to people. And I was talking to this gentleman. And I, and I've been in, uh, he's a perfect in a portion of my life that I will not describe because I want to keep his story, his story. Nonetheless, I've been seeing him over the last couple months. And so I'm like, you're always like following up with what happened earlier. Like, Hey, you said you were going to do this and how did this go? And Hey, you know, you just kind of continue the relationship. And so I'd seen him a, a month or so ago and he was going to get married. And so when I saw him this week, I was like, Hey, you got married. How did it go? He said, it was fantastic. I said, well, tell me about it. He goes, I became a Muslim. I was like, what? 
He goes, yeah, man. He goes, I, you know, and, and he said, I just kind of had to do it because, you know, she's from this country that requires me to be a Muslim to get a passport. And, you know, we're figuring out our kids in the future and stuff. And I said, so what's that look like, man? You know, so I have to, I had to sit down with some guy and he was like, do you believe that there's only one God? And, and he's like, yeah, of course. He goes, do you believe that Muhammad was his prophet? And he was like, kind of. And I was like, did you say that? He goes, no, but that's what I thought in my mind. I mean, what do I care? Like, it was just for a passport. Like, ah, he's laughing about it. And I, I, there, I, many thoughts went through my mind during this. But, but the reason why I share that story with you is this. Like, if you met that gentleman, would you think that he was a Muslim based on that story? No. No. You wouldn't be like, oh, you, you said it. You said it. Now you're one of them. No, he didn't mean it. He didn't believe it. He, he's nothing. He even said, like, I don't believe in any of this stuff, man. He goes, I just want a passport. But people do this all the time with Christianity. So, well, you know, I went to that church for many years. I, I sang those songs. I, I listened to that guy talk to me every single... Mind you, I didn't pay attention to try to actually understand what he was trying to say. But every once in a while, he would talk about the Bible and then he would tell a funny story that would wake me up. I would laugh and be like, ha, 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 that's really funny. But I never really understood what he was talking about. It's a true statement. People say, I'm a Christian. I am a little Christ. I identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But it never gets past here. It just, it, 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 it's just mouth. It's not really like life change. Because if it was, and if like Peter, you said, Jesus, you are the Christ. To say that is monumental. You are my leader. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I submit to your kingship and your lordship into my life. The Bible says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in his God. And so for here today, I just ask you, does that term, does that identity mean anything to you? Does it, does it mean something to you when you say to people like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And, and I know that I say that a lot here. And I'll tell you why I say that a lot. For some of you that, that think that I'm a broken record, let me explain it to you. I want you to submit to Jesus in every area of your life. 24-7, 365. I don't want there to be a, a dark corner of your heart or your mind. I don't want any part of your life untouched by the truthfulness of Jesus having lordship over your life. Now, if you've done that and you're attempting to do that, when I preach a message continually about submission to Jesus, the good hearts go, yes, yes, please. There's an area of my heart that needs more Jesus, Lord. Bring your light. And for those of you that refuse to submit, you're like, when is he going to move on to something else? I'm really tired of this constant submission and lordship and following of, on this rock, I will build my church. Modern day church is tons of people that just have mouth service. And I know it because I've seen many people throughout the last 20 years of being a pastor. And, and, and it will take so little to offend these types. Because when it comes time to actually forgive and be a Christian, they won't forgive. When it's time to actually love as a Christian, they won't love. They won't serve. They won't give. They won't submit. Because they were really excited about the title and the benefits that came from the title. They just, like, they weren't just excited about what that actually meant. Like you, any one of us, any one of us can be like, I am a UFC fighter. It's what I do. 
But unless you go into the ring and get pummeled in the face by another human, you are not a UFC fighter. I am not a UFC fighter. I'm not getting in there. I'm not doing that. But people do it all the time with Christianity. You've got to confess Jesus as the Christ and then live like it's true. You've got to submit to his lordship and to his kingdom. Now let me really get into this message because this is central to it. And for some of you, this is going to blow your mind. So he goes to Peter, says, who do you say that I am? And he says in verse 18, I also say to you, Peter, that you are Peter, like he didn't know his name. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, hell, shall not prevail against it. Now, there's been so much discussion about this because it really creates a a separation within Christianity. Is that some people take this verse and they say, well, Jesus said Peter and on Peter, I will build this church. And that's where we get papal succession in the the Catholic church from the Pope, where they go back and they say, well, Jesus said he's going to build his church on Peter. So from Peter was the next Peter and the Peter. And that's why they always name their Pope's Peter and everything else because it just keeps going on because they said well if if jesus is going to build his rock on peter you've got to be connected to peter or else you're not going to be part of his church it's not what that scripture says there's two different uh, words there that there's petros and petra petra is rock petros is peter a rock Uh, and, and so when jesus is talking to them he's saying you know what peter you are a rock but on this truth The truth that you've just confessed that I am the Christ. I am the one to be submitted to. I am the Lord. I am the leader. I am the king. On that truth is what we're going to build my church. Not on anything else. We're not, we're not going to build it on anything else. The central theme to my church that we are going to build is submission to me, the lordship of me, the kingship of me, and I am going to rule over my people, and this is the rock and the truth that's going to be central that we're going to build my church on. Yes. That's the central message of Christianity. It's central to what we do and what we believe as a church. And and so when you come to this church on a regular basis, you're like, man, all this dude preaches is submission. (laughs) On this rock, I will build my church. All this guy tells me about is how I need to leave sin and cling towards Christ. On this rock, I will build my church. And for people that believe this and know this, it completely, constantly reaffirms what we know to be true. For those of you that choose to not submit, it's like a knife. It's like, ugh, because on this rock, I will build my church. See, it's impossible to believe that Peter was the rock because Peter didn't, after Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven, Peter didn't go out and preach Peter. He didn't go out and be like, well, I'm the rock. Follow me. He went out and he preached Christ. Acts chapter 2, he went out and preached Christ to to people and they got saved. If we're supposed to build it on Peter, why why, why aren't we going out and preaching Peter? We don't. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians, For I determined to not know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, here's the reality. And this is going to hurt some of y'all's feelings and I'm fine with it. Christ did not make you a Christian for your benefit. And you are so selfish and so self-absorbed and so like, 
even as you're attempting to figure out who Jesus is, you're filing through of like, well, what does it mean to me? Like, what is it going to cost me? And what do I have to do? And, and all these other things, because you're so selfish. And so even some of us, after we get saved, we think we got saved for us because honestly, there's a lot of false people out there preaching false gospels saying, you know, Jesus died on the cross for you. What? No, Jesus died on the cross for him to bring you to him, to save you from you, to be in relationship with him, to be into his kingdom, to be into his lordship. Yes, you get benefits from it. Amen. We're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I love being a Christian. I love being free from sin. I love all the benefits of being a Christian, but it's spillover, man. It's spillover. The the point of Christ's coming was to reconcile men to God so that God could be in relationship with man. It wasn't just so you could have a cool t-shirt and post stuff on social media with a hashtag. Here's the truth. The church, and I always have to say this because people, you know, I'm very passionate about our church. But you know what? If you transplanted me to some other place in the middle of somewhere, I'd be passionate about that church too, right? And so when I talk about the church, Faith and Victory isn't the only church in the world. There's hundreds of thousands of good, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving churches that this message is central to. It's not just us. It's all those great churches out there. I want to make that clear. But those churches and our church is built on Jesus is the Christ. And what we're doing here and what we're being built into is for him. It's it, and, and this is why you have to have a high view of church. You have to have a high view of what we do. You can't be just be flippant and say like, well, I, I like going there. Man, that, that girl can blow. Like she's good singer. Good, good songs. That guy, like he's, he's entertaining. He's funny. And you know what? I am funny. If, if the goal was to be funny, I would have y'all in stitches. I really would, because I'm funny and I'm humble. I really am. So I made you laugh, didn't I? It's it's so easy. Like I can make people laugh, but to what end? Like it's it's funny when I talk to people from other churches. I'm like, oh, you go to that church? What do you love about that church? Oh, the pastor, he's so funny. Really? He doesn't prod you into a deeper level of righteousness. Like you guys aren't a church that's being built up for Christ's return. Like my ability to be funny is not what I'm supposed to do here. Like I'm, I'm supposed to lead you into a path of righteousness to build up this church for Christ's return. And it's a cosmic thing for us to build a church that's built on Jesus is the Christ. And we can't take it lightly. We can't just say, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. No, it's a huge deal. Jesus didn't say, and on this rock, I will build a following of disconnected individuals who do whatever they want, but as long as they say they believe in me. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build an ecclesia, a congregation, a called out group of people that's going to be a shining example to the rest of the world to say, do you want, we are a group of people that are submitting to our King. We're submitting to our Savior. We're submitting to our Lord. We're submitted to who he is and he is central to who we are in our lives. No, Jesus said, I'm going to build a church. And he said, and the gates of hell are not going to come against it. If you keep central to the message of the church, Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the savior, you can't, you can't ever come against that, man. That's a, like, we're going to be preaching that until Jesus returns, man. Now here's, here's where it gets really interesting. And 
And for some of you, this is going to be a big moment, but I'm excited for you. Binding and loosing. This is what we're talking about. This is a term that comes from the the Mishra or something like that from Jewish uh, history. And what they would say is that if you bind something on earth as it is in heaven is to say by authority of the, of, of God and the authority of the Bible, I'm binding something and I'm forbidding it on this earth. I'm forbidding it. It is forbidden because I have bound this thing. So if it's bound on this earth by, by God, by implication, it is bound in heaven. That's a huge authority, right? To think that we as a bunch of miscreants down here through, through the authority of Peter and through the authority of Jesus, Jesus told Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, the keys, right? It's a word picture. You've got the lock to the door to allow people into the kingdom. I'm giving you these keys. So whatever you prohibit, right? Cause that's what binding means. You're saying I prohibit this by God himself. So it's prohibited on this earth. It's also prohibited in heaven. Now, whatever I loose on earth, I'm loosing it with full permission. And this thing cannot be stopped. There's nothing that anybody can do to stop this thing because by God's authority, I have loosed this thing on this earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus says to Peter, he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What he's saying to him with the connection of him saying that Jesus is the Christ is saying, do you want Peter? This truth that I am the Christ gives you the authority to be able to say who's going to heaven and who's not going to heaven. It gives you the authority to bind on this earth and say, I forbid you by the authority of God himself, because you deny that Jesus is the Christ, that you are bound on this earth, but you're also bound from heaven. You will not make heaven because you are not declaring that Jesus is the Christ. I have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Now you're accepting Jesus is the Christ. So whatever I loose on earth will be loosed in heaven that now you're able to go to heaven and be in heaven because you are proclaiming claiming that Jesus is the Christ. These keys are, 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 are an important part. And it's throughout the Bible talking about keys. It says in Isaiah, the prophesy, uh, 22, the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder. So, so he shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut and no one shall open. It's that same imagery in that word picture bound on earth, bound in heaven, prohibited, bound, completely free, loosed, can't change it. Revelation 377, these things I say, uh, these things says he who is holy, who is true. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens again, bound, loosed, whatever you prohibit on this earth is prohibited in heaven. Whatever you permit on this earth is permitted in heaven. Revelation 118, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. When when you don't make a decision on who Jesus is, you are binding yourself on this earth and you're binding yourself in heaven. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the Christ. He is the pathway and the doorway through heaven alone, excuse me, to get to heaven alone. And so Jesus gives Peter these keys and he says, 
<coughs> excuse me. This is the key. This, this is the entrance into my kingdom. And so if you're here, <coughs> excuse me, if you're here and you're saying, how do I get to heaven? How do I spend eternity? Jesus is declaring to Peter, this is the key to the kingdom of heaven. This is the authority. The key is declaring that Jesus is the Christ. And so he says, go out and preach this. You will go through this message and you will exclude people from the kingdom by this message. This is the key. When I preach messages here and I say, come and declare Jesus is the Christ, you get loosed into heaven. And when you hear the message that Jesus is the Christ and you deny that and you walk out, you are binding yourself from heaven. You're, you're binding yourself saying, I do not want to go to heaven. Whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven and there's no going back. So we go and we bind and loose by the preaching of the message of Jesus Christ. And, and if you bind them from the kingdom by denial, that is of no fault of your own. They are bound. And if you loose them into the kingdom by acceptance, they are accepted. Then this is what Peter went and he walked out in Acts chapter 2 when he go out and he preached and he preached this and then people got saved. And it, this isn't to be taken lightly. Let me, let me give you a, a word picture here of binding and loosing, okay? Because again, I, I, we, we have these types of messages because I believe that God walks us through it because he wants us to take things really seriously. Binding and loosing is serious business. To be able to say that this person is bound from entering heaven is a big deal. You say that's judgmental. No, nah, it's not judgmental. It's just the truth. If you reject Jesus as the Christ, you're bound. Like you're, you're not going to heaven. If you say that he is, you're loosed, man. You're going to heaven. Let me, let me jump ahead. We'll be here in a couple weeks. Matthew chapter 18 and I, and I want you to think about the context of what it means to bind and loose. Binding, prohibiting by God's authority, right? Loosing, giving permission by God's authority as well, right? You guys with me? Yeah. Matthew chapter 18, dealing with a sinning brother. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. It's talking about discipline in the church, okay? But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. That means if you go to somebody and you got a problem with them, he's like, hey man, this is the problem and you're not dealing with it biblically, this, you need to change this. And if they won't listen to you, you go grab another brother or sister and you come like, hey, we need to talk to you about this together because you didn't listen the first time, so now we're going to really talk to you about it. Verse 17, and if he refuses to hear it then, tell it to the church. That means that I, by authority of God himself, can bring somebody up before the church and say, do you know what? Uh, a person talked to them, two people talked to them. They chose to not listen to biblical, you know, uh, encouragement to forgive or love or whatever. And so I'm bringing it before you, the church, so that you can know this person by their willful choice is choosing to not listen to what God says. You with me? But he refuses to even hear the church. Let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now watch this. So Jesus says, treat him like a heathen or a tax collector if you go through those three steps. Right? Watch this. And then he says, assuredly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth, whatever by, whatever you say by God's authority, I forbid you will be bound in heaven. And then he says by, but whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
So that unrepentant person that comes before the church and chooses to say, I, I refuse to repent on my public sin that somebody came to me privately and I refuse to repent. Two people came to me privately and I chose to not repent. I brought it before the church and I choose to not repent. Jesus says, whatever you bind that person with and forbid them with, I will forbid it in heaven. If you forgive them, they'll be loosed in heaven. This is a cosmic thing to say, binding and loosing. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven, because the authority of the believer to determine where somebody's heart is at on this proclamation of Jesus is the Christ. Because if you say that Jesus is the Christ, then you're going to move exactly to where you need to be and say, man, I repent of everything. I don't, like, I, uh, whatever it is, I, for, I, I forgive them and I love them. And I, I just, I didn't, I deserved hell. He is my Christ. He is my Lord. He is my savior. I want to be in his kingdom. I want to be in his right thing. So if there's anything that I've done wrong, man, I am sorry and I won't do it. And I'm not going to live that way. And, and please forgive me because I want to be in the kingdom. I want to be in his church. I don't want to be excommunicated. Forever two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. It's not a worship scripture. If these people which are called by my name that have my authority pronounce judgment on this person by binding and loosing them, I'm there in the midst of them. Wherever two or three are gathered and everybody thinks it's a, ooh, two or three are gathered, it's a judgment call. We're deciding whether this person is proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is there in the midst of church discipline. God approves of the gospel message of setting people free from the law of sin and death. And so when I preach this, oh, church, I wish you could hear my heart. When I preach this message, it's because I want you to be loosed into the kingdom. I want you to join the Jesus team. I want you to to come on the good side. I want you to be freed from your sins and be freed so you can be in relationship with God. So you can be in relationship with Jesus and experience all the wonderful things that come on that other side. And so binding and loosing is of cosmic importance in what we approve and what we deny as Christian people. Charged with the truth of Jesus as the Christ, we must engage the battle and share this truth that Jesus is the Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Will the worship team come forward? I want to end with this song. You know, um, Amanda uh, sang this song last week, and I was like, hey, that's in the sermon next week. And then they're singing it again this week. And, and I really want you to pay attention to the words to this song as we end with this song today. In the idea of what we just talked about, right? The, the lordship of Jesus, the submission to him as Christ, the authority that he has given us to the keys of the kingdom, both in the message of the kingdom, but in the, the, the church as well. It's, it's of cosmic importance, Amen. And so if you're here this morning, you guys stand up with me. Will you stand? I like to stand. You guys probably tired of sitting. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, and you would say, you know what? I've never confessed that Jesus is my Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. I want to submit to him. You've never made that decision before. I want you to do that today. In our church, we just ask you to uh, come forward and have somebody pray for you. So I don't to walk forward. Christ in a room full of Christians who really struggle when you walk out that door. Yeah, and so it's a moment, it's a, it's a moment in time where you say, I left that old world behind and I came forward to 
Christ to receive it. So this will be open up here if anybody wants to receive prayer to become a Christian. And then also, 